This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu. That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushduni. Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushduni. Published by Calcedon Ross House Books. P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushduni. Chapter 4, Humanistic Confession. A book published in 1989 has a thoroughly modern title, Confessions of an SOB. The author, Alan H. Neuharth, follows his former wives and his two children to have their say for and against him. He favours Machiavellianism and holds, with respect to advancement, power, use it or lose it. Neuharth may or may not be all that he says he is. Many autobiographies exhibit strange qualities. Ancient hagiographies, or biographies of saints, credited the saints with more virtue than was realistic, and certainly more miraculous powers. Contemporary autobiographers sometimes appear to claim more sins than seem possible. Certainly, autobiographies like that of Frank Harris are boastful of more sins than they committed. Nevertheless, if we take such works at face value, some interesting patterns appear. Among these are instances of pleading guilty to a lesser offence. Thus, the appealing Juliet Huxley, in her autobiography, Leaves of the Tulip Tree, 1986, describes sympathetically and uncritically the deep-rooted sense of guilt carried by her husband, the scientist Julian Huxley. She wrote, Julian carried a demon within. When he was four, his younger brother, Trevenin was born. Until then, he was the sole claimant to his mother's love, was spoiled and cherished, and had a position of centrality. He was the grandson of Thomas H. Huxley and of Matthew Arnold. Although the boys were soon the best of friends, Julian saw Trevenin's birth as the beginning of a burden. This demon tormented Julian all his life with a sense of guilt. A few months before he died, his wife Juliet said to him that this demon within was destroying both of them. He answered, quite casually, Of course I have a demon. I had it since I was four. This idea fits nicely with the modern myth of an inescapable sibling rivalry. When occasionally such a rivalry or jealousy may occur, it is neither normal nor common. Even when it does occur, it is absurd to see it as the cause of guilt. Such reasoning is pleading guilty to the lesser offence. In Julian Huxley's case, he was a cold and impersonal man. He was anti-Christian and was contemptuous of the faith. He was also an adulterer who told his wife to find her own solace sexually with other men. He saw this not as a question of morality but of philosophy. Of his wife and of his work, he wrote to a young woman, quote, 
In reality, I am a pluralist in my philosophy, having given up the quest for unity. End quote. As a humanist, Huxley saw morality as a human product. Julian Huxley suffered all his life from a sense of guilt, which he apparently saw in biological terms after Freud and also in terms of heredity. His grandfather, T.H. Huxley, was prey to a deep-rooted melancholy and was consequently often seriously ill. Julian Huxley read his problem in terms of this, but T.H. Huxley had much in his life and work to give him a deep sense of guilt also. Julian Huxley at one point was given electric shock therapy. Believing guilt to be biological, he sought ostensibly scientific treatment thereof. He would have regarded the Christian confessional as a magical answer. The shock therapy gave him some recovery for a time, but his basic problem remained. Juliet Huxley, clearly a kindly and loving person, had her own deep sense of sin, which she blamed on her Calvinistic mother. Her mother, however, comes through the autobiography as the one superior person. Juliet's lack of faith and her reluctant compliance with Julian's demand that she exercise her sexual freedom are not related to this sense of guilt. Juliet, at one point, perceptively described Julian as not a physical but a moral invalid and as one who knows or thinks he knows himself accursed and finds his thoughts set upon self-destruction as the only way of removing the curse for himself and the accursed life from being a burden to others. It was the work of Freud to separate the sense of sin from the sense of guilt. He recognised that as long as men see themselves as sinners, they will turn to God for grace, but if they see guilt as a problem of the unconscious, they will seek scientific therapy for help. For Julian Huxley, to see sibling rivalry as his lifelong problem and for Juliet to blame her mother for her sense of guilt was in both cases pleading, to use Edmund Burglar's term, to the lesser offence while concealing the real problem. In other instances, confessions of the autobiographical variety seek other justification, that is, sinning as a means to grace, to use biblical language, or in modern terms, therapeutic and experimental living. An example of this is Rosemary Daniels' Sleeping with Soldiers in Search of the Macho Man. She is a writer who has received two national endowments for the arts grants in literature and has worked as a journalist, an advertising copywriter and a teacher. She has also been a college point a college poet in residence. By her own account, Rosemary Daniel has been three times married and divorced. She had gay men friends. She passed discarded lovers on to her daughter. She experimented with lesbianism. She had abortions. She was promiscuous with all kinds of men, especially lower class, was beaten and fought physically with her men. And the psychologist whom she was interviewing poignantly said to her, I hope you're not attracted to drunken, abusive men, which she was. A strong feminist, Ms. Daniel sought out coarse, crude men who saw women only as sexual toys. While sexually aroused by such men, she confessed also to self-disgust. 
She says of such men, quote, My masochism was more readily satisfied by his craziness. End quote. She wanted to be possessed by a strong man. One man, given to sadomasochism in his sexual life, said, quote, I'm just an animal, I guess, End quote. and this was his favourite boast. This held an appeal for her, although, by her own statement, she knew that the relationship was sick. All this was her own form of saturation therapy. One wonders, therapy to what end? She had written in one of her poems, Only the sensual are innocent. Innocent of what? Why all this sexual experimentation, which to many would appear to be the most distasteful kind of gutter crawling? Juliet Huxley cited a sentence from Paul Tillich as a basic to Julian Huxley's views, and the words certainly apply as well to Rosemary Daniel. Tillich wrote, quote, The immemorial experience of mankind, that new knowledge can only be won through breaking a taboo, that all autonomous thinking is accompanied by a consciousness of guilt, has been the fundamental experience of my life. End quote. Such thinking has been basic to modern science and to humanism. Emil Durkheim, in his Rules of Sociological Method, wrote of the criminal as an evolutionary pioneer, testing with his lawlessness all the old moral laws in order to pave the possible way to a new freedom. This belief is not new. It was prevalent in Greco-Roman thought, and then and now it is a belief in experience as the key to knowledge. Paul, confronted by such a faith, declares, quote, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? End quote. From Romans 6, 1-2. A wealthy modern patroness of the arts had her son taken to a house of prostitution as a first step towards knowledge, and many similar initiations have taken place. The modern humanistic confession is often related to this. The confessor says, in effect, quote, I gained freedom and knowledge by my experience. Go thou and do likewise. End quote. The real result, however, is guilt and self-disgust. This is the end of chapter 4. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.